Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, welcome back to part three uh, of the Stompcast episode of Tom Carriage. We are wandering in Marlow uh, Common in the woods. It's absolutely glorious here today. It's beautiful. We've had a great conversation so far. If you haven't caught up for the first few parts, suggest listening to them first. Um, and if you've done them already, welcome to part three. Thank you to our sponsors this week, FitFlop. FitFlop has an uncompromising mission to empower us to move better and feel great which, as you'll know by now, is so closely aligned with the Stompcast. I've been wearing the Vitamin FF throughout the shooting for Stompcast, and to be honest, for ages before, and they've really kept me feeling uh, supported and comfortable with their lightweight feel and contoured soles. What you might not know about FitFlop is they have an in-house biomechanist, Dr. Kim, who tests all of their shoes, sandals, trainers, and boots to make sure they align with our body's natural movement. That way, we can move better and move freely. Not to mention all of their models are tested in the same labs that top performance brands use to test their shoes. So you can really trust that they're going to serve you well. If you're on the lookout for a new pair of trainers, as I said, I've been loving the Vitamin FF while recording the Stompcast or any other style of footwear. Just head to fitflop.com. I cannot recommend them high enough. I can honestly say they are my favorite pair of trainers I have ever owned. Let's start with a, a topic that I think you're very familiar with, coping with uh, stress. How do you cope with stressful situations, both when you're in them and afterwards in your general life? Um, I learned quite early on, I think that's where kitchen environments are great for transcending into outside life of a kitchen or into a business mm. point of view, that you need to think fast and reactionary but actually don't jump on the first thing you have to take a stop a minute just stop think what you're doing like just split seconds make a difference in the kitchen if you're cooking something whether it's a piece of sea bass and the skin has got stuck like the last thing you want to do is try and scrape it off because then you've ruined the whole thing. Okay, okay, so stop a minute. How do I release that? So what do you be... do if the sea bass gets stuck? Well, you probably add a knob of butter because what happens ah, then is there's lubricate. the buttermilk. What, what happens is the buttermilk then steams. So buttermilk, so the steam will help release anything that's stuck so you can then flip it over. So it's kind of like, but how do you, you, you learn that by mistakes, but you also learn that through process. And the, the natural thing would be like, go oh, quick, get it off. Actually, so you, you stop and remove yourself from it, just like a little bit of a helicopter view, just for, from a standpoint. And, and that comes from kitchen, kitchen management, kitchen experience that you then go, okay, how do you do that? And I've been able to put that into other bits of life of going, okay, 
what have we got to solve now? Stand back a minute, stop, think, stop, think, don't react. It, I used to be quite reactionary. Yeah. I used to so be is about, it something you've learned or you've improved, you but, feel? Yeah, exactly. Both things. Learned and improved. Learned and improved. I think it's always a bit, because you've always, you're always told that, stop and think, stop and think, yeah. stop and think. I mean, you're, It's easier said than done sometimes. It is easier said than, than done. So I've kind of learned from it and gone, okay, and I have improved myself and the way that, the way that I do it. So, yeah, so stopping and thinking is, and that's how I cope with stressful situations. I also quite enjoy them. I like them. I like, I like stress. I like, you like the pressure like, of it, yeah. I do. I like hard work. I like hard work and I like stress. I mean, I think it's, you know, there's a point of it that I think is quite healthy. Do you, is there a, I think we've all watched uh, lots of cooking shows and kitchens and stuff on TV and you do, and I often wonder that, is it a certain personality type that you need to work in a kitchen? Because it can be quite a fiery place. Yeah. Temperatures can be hot, not just for the food. It can be, you know, people, you're in a stressful place and people sometimes boil over. Is it a place where you can go in and build that resilience? Or do you think you need that ability to deal with the stress? Because I get that sense of you, you're just kind of, things bounce off you. But, or, you know, you're able to cope with things, you know, is that something you can develop? Or do you need a bit of that to start with? I, I think you need a bit of it to start mm. with. I think you need to have some sort of ability to deal with the stress, but you also have to like kind of invite it along and be a part of it and want to be a part of it. You know, a lot of chefs the world over, and it doesn't matter where you I've been very fortunate I've travelled the world cooking, and you could go to any part of the world, and it may even be somewhere that where, where they don't even, you don't even speak the same language as each other, and you're in that kitchen. The personality traits, the characteristics, yeah. are very, very similar. Do you notice know? that then? Yeah. Do you yeah. see it like oh, this yeah, person's yeah, very yeah, similar? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and that, and, and there are people that are absolutely chaotic and 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 stuck in that world, and uh, they'll never get out of it. There are the ones that you can see have got actually, they like that bit of the chaos, but they have this management structure. They yeah. can do it. You can see that they're future head chefs and right. managers, and you can see the ones that will just be at a level the whole time and just enjoy being in a kitchen. You know, and you can just see those space it so there is very much a personality trait you also get it does attract waves and strays of society it is an industry really? oh yeah it is an industry that it doesn't matter Why it, is it's that? It, Why is that? because it makes no difference on cultural background economic background sexuality race religion uh, a fiscal background how much money you come from none of it makes any difference education none of it it can be... It's a leveller almost. You're right. it, Food it, is like, poof, can you cook? It just attracts... So you get this eclectic mix. I kind of often describe it a bit like a pirate ship because it is <laughs> just like that. this whole world of like naughty boys and girls that are trying to create something amazing. And it may well be Tom, who's head chef at the Hand of Flowers, he's got a degree in forensic science. Tom, who owns the Hand of Flowers, has got three GCSEs. It's such a, like you just go, I mean, they're, they're, I see what you like, mean. It's it, such a it mix. just becomes this thing where, but you're all driving for the same thing. You're all creating, you're all building. So if you don't feel that you necessarily fit into a certain environment, hospitality attracts that energy, that space, that, that buzz, irrespective of your background, which makes it an exciting and a great place to be. What about stress management outside of, uh, outside of what you mentioned? I mean, we've obviously walking, we've talked about and the swimming and the weights and yeah, things. Yeah, gym. What, what else do you do to kind of cope? How much is it to you about your wife and family? Are there other things outside that, are, that we don't know about that you love to do? Yeah, no, it's very, very simple. It is literally gym and family. And, and that's it. Driving, I enjoy a drive. So 
Yesterday, for example, I was doing something up in Manchester, so I left the house at five o'clock in the morning, uh, got to Manchester, did a load of media stuff, and then drove back. And, uh, you know, it's a three and a half hour drive there, three, so seven hours in a car. But I quite enjoy it. It gives you a chance to listen to music, gives you a chance to make some phone calls, gives you a chance to, you know, catch up with people or just be on your own. Like, and, and, and I like that. They're, those are the escape routes now. And that's the one thing that I recognise from drinking, that drinking for me is self-indulgement. Now, when you talk about your creative, you're hanging out with your mates and getting drunk and having a laugh. And actually, for me, it was always about... I was living in that moment. I am having another pint. I am doing this. I, and it was all about how it made me feel. Feel. No, I don't have that. And it, that release isn't there, apart from whether it's in a car or hanging with family. But even with family or other people, whatever you're doing, yeah, it's sure. not self-indulged. Yeah, sure. So, although actually spending time with my son, is all, it feels like self-indulgence. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It does feel like. But the reality of it is... That's an amazing part of my life. It's like the best, it's unquestionably the best part of my life is family life. It's just undoubted. But that self-indulgement thing comes probably from gym or driving. And those are the bits that are stress relief. It fascinates me. The more that I speak to people on this podcast, the more I realise that it's often the simpler things in life. Like people will know you from the TV, from the books, the show. Think, God, this smart guy must like jet off to the Bahamas to chill out or whatever. But actually, the fundamentals often return to your family, a bit of movement, your friends. The sim- Do you mind, I hope it's okay me saying it, but the simple things almost. hundred percent. That's it. That's it. The simple things are the best things. They're the, they're the ones that are the most indulgent because everything else feels so complicated. Like everything else is thought through and complicated and driven and has consequence and has whatever else. You know, the gym is, can I lift that weight up? Uh, the, the drive is, okay, let's just chill out and drive, put some music on. The family thing is actually hanging out as a family, cooking tea, going to rugby, doing whatever. You know, that, it just becomes walking the dogs through the woods. They're just very simple, no consequence yeah. moments. Yeah. And, th- and that's what makes it magical. Allows you the recharge. Exactly. Before we do our health fact of the week, um, I'd like to ask you one question, which I, I wonder if other people listening uh, have, a, have a similar question to ask. What happens when you get, and it's completely random what we've been talking about, what happens when you get a Michelin star? How does that happen? Does someone like we see in the movies, do they hide in the corner? It's like a French person and it's got like, they always have like a, they have like a clock thing on the hand, a pan pocket watch. They've got, they just have that aura about them, probably smoke a cigar or something outside. Like ha- what actually happens? No, well, you, you never know. So the Michelin inspectors, they'll come in uh, probably once a year, once every 18 months. They don't announce. They don't tell you when they're booking and they don't tell you when they've been. I have no idea. No idea. So you only know when the guide comes out every year, if you've kept it or if you've won it. So when we won the first star, it used to be the guidebook would come out and it might get re-released. It might get leaked on the internet because a guidebook has gone into a bookshop somewhere yeah. and someone's taken pictures or done whatever else. So when we won the star in, uh, we opened in March 2005. And the January guide came out in 2006. I got a phone call from a chef friend who rang me up at midnight at the pub because at that point we were living above the Hunt of Flowers. And he said, have you seen the guide? And I went, no. He goes, you better go and fucking look at the internet then. And that was it. Oh, my God. And we, so we found out we want to start when a, a great chef, a guy called Daniel Clifford, called me and told me, yeah. which is amazing. Uh, and the second star, um, 
we got a letter on the morning of the Michelin Guide. And they sent a small film crew and videoed it. Wow. And, but what was that highlight? What did that feel like? With that, when you, for the, especially that first Michelin star, what, did you, what does that feel like? It's just such a huge uh, a recognition of the team and the people of what you've done. The second star in particular. So the first star, I'd, I, I'd had a star previously at somebody else's business as head chef. Um, so winning at the hand was great. Wasn't expected, particularly within that first year. Um, wow. But the second One star, year. it broke down boundaries because all of a sudden we were the first pub to win two. two yeah, stars. I just so, read that. So that was a huge reflection of the team and everybody that was involved because we'd all worked very hard to just try and be better and more consistent. We didn't know we were going to get a second star. We would have loved it. But when it happened, like the whole team was so happy. It was just such a great... I suppose it's such a great kind of celebration of, of reinvestment. And by that, I don't mean money. Hmm. I mean in people, in people's lives, in, in everything that they've done, in the way that we've all kind of worked together and driven something. Yeah. So, it, we, yeah, that made it magical. What's your proudest moment in your life so far? Proudest moment? I don't know. I think probably... Just to find us at the plateau where we're at now is a family of people, three people, myself, my wife, and my son, AC. That have, me and Beth have gone through a mental journey. We've been married 22 years this week. Oh, congratulations. And you go, from that point of view, we've been on this incredible journey together where we've been through youngsters living in London, having the best time, living our best lives, to buying a small little flat, to opening a business, to winning mission stars for beth creating work she's got a show funny enough she has a show that starts at sarchi gallery tonight oh, amazing you know oh, so wow. all of this so this so she had a dream as well in terms exactly of yeah doing she's her and... own person the fact that she has a parallel life that we're completely adjoined but we're not living through each other's yes process you know like she is not the wife of tom kerridge mm -hmm. like i'm she's married doing to her beth. thing <laughs> do you know what i mean it's she's like doing her yeah thing. she is her it's own awesome. thing and you just go do you know what I mean? The fact that we've got an amazing son who's healthy, happy, you know, we, we try to drive a work ethic and an understanding and we have businesses that are successful. I mean, there isn't one thing that I could say I'm most proud of. There's lots of tiny little bits that makes me very, very content and happy with everything that we have. Again, it almost goes back to that fundamental family, people around you, health, happiness. Yeah, exactly. Let's do our um, health fact of the week. So every week we do a little fact and try and relate to our guests if we can, really. Thinking about eating healthy um, and looking after our gut has been something that is increasingly on the conversation and we're learning more and more. And in fact, um, 70 to 80% of your immune system is propped up and in fact building blocks are made from your gut. So if we don't look after our, our gut health, we're effectively robbing our immune system of its of its strength. So it's fascinating that, you know, when people say you are what you eat, I mean, well, you know, if you can fuel your body with the right nutrition, the right foods, you really do impact your physical health, obviously, and as well as your mental health. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, I mean, the more, the, the older you get, the more as well you recognise that, you know, how different foods affect the, the way that your body behaves. You know, whether it's lethargic, whether it's has, um, higher energy whether it feel you you feel you can tell in your skin from different things that you eat and there's so much that comes from the food that you eat yeah so that, that is 
I didn't realise it was that high a percentage for the immune system. It's it's hugely it's hugely important, and uh, and I think um, you know for me, I, I definitely think that I'm now thinking more about what I'm eating in terms of the fuel as well as the, the flavour now as well. Is that something that you kind of are you aware? Do you kind of think of that when you're cooking now as well as the flavours and things? Oh yeah, massively, massively. Always look for where's the vitamin content coming from, what's happening regarding carbohydrate, what's happening regarding protein. Where does it come from? How do we reduce the amount of sugar in it? You know, those are all things that I'm very conscious of, particularly when I cook at home. Thanks once again to our sponsor this week, FitFlop. Remember, if you want to stomp in utmost comfort with shoes that are powered by science, head to fitflop.com and bag yourself a pair of supercharged footwear, whether you're shopping for men or women. Tom, thank you so much for, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm rather excited to go and eat to the hand of Blauda. I think everyone has got a, a full team of people that are very excited indeed. And it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. And honestly, this has been... Thank you for taking me here. You know, I feel very lucky with the Stompcast. I'm able to come to beautiful parts of the UK. And it really reminds you how incredible the UK actually is. We often look abroad and think, oh, these places are beautiful. There's beauty right on our doorstep. You've just got to open eyes and look for it, really, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah. No, we're very, very lucky in this country. And... For me, the biggest thing is we have four very defined seasons. Yes. And that drives everything we do for food, but yeah. also yeah. walking through the countryside right now in the autumn when the leaves oh. are beginning to fall is, is great. Isn't it's it? fabulous. Well, thank you, Tom. And, and everyone that's out stomping at the moment, enjoy it, whatever time of year you're listening to this. Well done for doing another week, another 60 minutes of looking after your body and your mind, and hopefully maybe learnt a few things uh, as well, especially how not to ruin your sea bass. Get stuck on one side, <laughs> yeah. bit of butter, don't go scraping that off. Remember that now, producer Charlie? Gertrude's nodding away. Thank you, Tom. That's Pleasure. Brilliant. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.